So uh, welcome to New City. My name is Ray. Uh, we're glad that you're here with us today. Um, the campus pastor serving alongside you here. And uh, man, dad jokes are, are one of a kind, aren't they? Uh, some of those guys, I love how they tell the joke and then like it takes them a minute to laugh, right? <laughs> because it's just that bad. Um, but today we're going to um, kind of Well, not kind of, we're going to continue to walk through our series, Believe, that we've been walking through, all right? And so this really isn't going to be, per se, pointed directly at fathers, but this is going to be pointed to all of us, okay? And fathers, if you grab hold of this, then yes, this is going to be awesome for you and your family and all of those different things, but it's really going to be for all of us today, okay? So we've been walking through this series, Believe, over the past 20 weeks, okay? And we're now on week 22, Okay, and we're stepping into that, but it's been broken up into these 10-week sections. And if you haven't been with us, that's okay, because today we're going to kind of clarify where we are. Okay, so these first 10 weeks, we talked about what do I believe? So what do I believe about God? What do I believe about Jesus? And all of those things. And so here's what I believe, and we work to establish what we believe. Then the second 10 weeks, we talked about how we act on that, what that looks like as we as we kind of act out these beliefs that we have. And so some of the things we talked about was prayer and worship and all of those different things, community together, the church, right? And so we talked about how this looks in the way of how it acts or how we act that out. Now, in these 10 weeks, we're really talking about who are we becoming, okay? So we have these beliefs, we're acting on them, and so now who are we becoming? And we could even add a little bit to that question and say, okay, who are you becoming more like, right? Because of these things you believe in the way that you're acting, how, who are you becoming more like? Hopefully, the answer is Jesus, right, that we're becoming more like, that we're hopefully growing in, okay? But as we walk through these next uh, now eight weeks as we wrap up this series, we're going to come into this place of, okay, this is who I desire to become, Okay? And these are the things in my life that I so desire to grow. Okay? So we've established what we believe and the actions that have put into place. Now let's begin to grow in those actions. All right? Now, we've been reading through this book called Believe by Randy Frazee. The majority of it is scripture, which is so cool. And so as you're reading through that, he started this last kind of 10 weeks with, with a with a set of verses that's pretty prominent here at New City, okay? And it's John 15. And in John 15, Jesus is speaking, and he introduces this idea of abiding with him, remaining with him, right? And being connected to him. And so if you uh, turn in your Bibles to John, we're going to be in verse 4 here to start. And it says this. It says, remain in me, and I in you. Again, it's Jesus speaking, okay? So remain in me, remain in Jesus, and I in you. And just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. And I am the vine, and you are the branches. And the one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. Now, Remain in me. He said that multiple times, didn't he? So it's probably something that we need to maybe consider, maybe listen to, and maybe hear. Okay, so when we remain in him, what happens? Fruit is produced. But if we don't remain in him, what happens? No fruit is produced. 
But not only is the fruit produced, look what he says. He says, produces much fruit. So there's this idea of those fruit in our lives flourishing. Now, we have a peach tree in our backyard. And when we first looked at it, I mean, it's a scraggly old thing, right? And we're looking at it, and we're like, we just moved in this house right after, or right before the first of the year. Okay? So we have this peach tree, and we're looking at it, and we're like, I don't know if that's going to put anything out. Like, no fruit. Right? Well, we walked out there about, oh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, and all these little things start popping out on that tree. And they're everywhere. And we're like, awesome, we're going to have peaches. Well, a couple nights ago, I don't know if you remember, but we had some serious, crazy, heavy winds, right? And I walked out, and I look at our tree, and here it is. The top had just, like, been blown out. And so there's all these multiple branches that were broken, and I'm, I'm starting to cry, right? But anyway, because I love peaches. But here's the thing. I looked at them yesterday, and those branches are already starting to die, Right? Those fruit are already starting to brown up. Why? Because they're no longer attached to the source. Right? They're no longer getting any nutrients to those peaches. And here they are now starting to die, ultimately. And that's what he's saying here. Look, stay connected. Abide with me, and you will produce much fruit. Now, in this book, uh, Randy, Randy Frazee is the author of this book, okay, and he wrote out this uh, kind of these couple lines here as we start this next section of 10 weeks, okay? He said this. He said, mature fruit on the outside gives evidence to the health of the branch on the inside. Mature fruit on the outside ministers to the people God has put in our life. It draws them to us. It nurtures them, and it gives them refreshment, And this pleases God when we pay it forward, the love that he first deposited us. Now, the way I read that is this. The growth of the fruit in our lives is not just for us. Right? The growth of the fruit in our lives is not just for us. It is for those that God has placed us around and placed us near. And so when the fruit in our lives is growing, that allows the people around us to see it more clearly and to then take note of it. And so that allows us to begin to pour into them. So over these next couple of weeks, here's what I want you to think about, okay? Is that this growth of that fruit is not maybe just for you. Yes, grow in the fruits of the Spirit that we're going to talk about here in a minute. Grow in them, absolutely. But they may be for someone else as well. They may be for your one. You know, you may be wondering, what the heck's this big one over here? Or it may look like a seven from where you're standing with a broken arm. I don't know. But anyway, a couple weeks ago, we wrote out our one, the one person that we're praying for and we desire to see to either come to church or come to know Christ or all of that. We're praying for that particular one person in our life. Guess what? The growth of your fruit may be for that person to then see in your life and go, wow, I want and need that. So this morning, we're talking about love and joy. Hey, yes, I desire for love and joy to grow in your life. Absolutely. Like, let that thing grow. But do you know somebody in your daily walkings in life that maybe needs to find the love and the joy that is found in Christ? Like, they're there right? They're there. And when that grows in you, then what it allows you to do is turn around and pour that out into the life of somebody else. Man, what an awesome thing that we see, okay? So as we walk through these next 
10 weeks, we're really talking about the fruit of the Spirit. That's kind of what we're going to be breaking down, okay? There's nine of them. You say, wait, there's 10 weeks. Yes, there's one on the end that we add, okay? But notice something about that. It says fruit of the Spirit, okay? We're going to have a quick Bible knowledge drop here, okay? It's not fruits of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the fruit that comes from the Spirit that's residing within you. Now, you have the Spirit within you when? When you're a follower and believer of Jesus, right? So the Holy Spirit then allows you to grow those fruit, okay? So the fruit of the Spirit. Now, we're going to be jumping around a little bit in the, in the New Testament today, okay? If you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay. It's going to be up on the screen, but we're going to be kind of flipping around and moving around, okay? So first, we're going to start in Galatians chapter 5, and this is where Paul begins to talk about this idea of fruit. Now, we saw it back when Jesus was talking, right? When you remain in me, the fruit will grow, right? It's going to flourish, okay? But then Paul kind of puts some flesh, if you will, to the fruit, all right? So Galatians chapter 5, and here Paul is talking to the church at Galatia, okay? The Galatians, and he's writing to the believers there in that church when he is writing this letter here that becomes now the book of Galatians. And he has listed out this list of ultimately the desires of the flesh, Okay, sin, if we will, the desires of the flesh that if you don't have Christ in your life, this is where you're going to naturally lean and tend to spend the majority of your time. Guess what? Even with Christ in your life, that's where you tend to go. Right. But he says, no, no, we're going to focus on these fruits. So in verse 22, he starts with but B-U-T, but now you've probably heard me say it before, you're maybe even getting tired of it. But is one of the most powerful three-letter words in the Bible besides God. Because why? Because it has just changed everything that's been said. Right? It flips it on its head. So he gives out this list of sins, if you will, or these desires of the flesh, and then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, as these guys were talking, I didn't prompt them with what they were saying. I just gave them the questions. But it was interesting that they came back with what? Love, patience, right? Gentleness, some of those things of the Spirit, right? That's what we need to have even as fathers ourselves. And then he says, uh, against these things, there is, such, there is no law. Why is there no law against these things? Because these things are good things. There's no need for the law against these things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. So the passions and desires of the flesh with Christ are then crucified. For us to then what pursue? Pursue then the fruit and the growth of the fruit. Now, this is awesome news for us, right? Because the Spirit desires to grow these things. Now, right before this, in verse 16, Paul kind of makes a recommendation, if you will, about how to prepare ourselves. He says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So follow the Spirit, right? And you won't desire to carry out the things of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. 
But look here. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, here's the great thing. These things are always in opposition, right? They're always in opposition. The things of the flesh and the things of the Spirit. But ultimately, He desires for us, He says what? Pursue the things of the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Okay? So let me ask you this question. What do those things look like in our lives? Right? What do those things look like in our lives? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, selfishness, or self-control, excuse me, selfishness is not one. All right? Okay? But also, when we grow these things, what does that look like in other people's lives? Again, do we know somebody who desires or needs joy? Do we know someone who needs peace or Maybe we all know somebody who needs some patience, right? But what does that look like for them in their life? Now, in this last set of 10 weeks, we actually started it last week, but we were at Old Shawnee Days, right? And so Old Shawnee Days, for those of you who maybe don't know, is all of our campuses coming together in just this awesome family reunion time. Coming together as all of our campuses just to celebrate what God is doing. So we felt like, yeah, we're ultimately showing our love to the city and to those that come to that, right? And in that, I want you to know that we even had a baptism, pretty cool, uh, from our campus here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can celebrate that. They're not here today, uh, but she's going to be back next week, and I'm going to let her kind of share her story with you next week. But it, it was so cool to see that, right? And so in that, hey, hey cool, we have a baptism and celebrating that. But I don't want to skip over this idea of love, because ultimately when we look at the idea of love, and we're going to really kind of camp on this a little bit today, okay, when we talk about this idea of love, none of these other fruit happen without love. Like if love is not in place, then it's going to be hard for you to have any joy. If love is not in place, then it's going to be hard for you to have any peace, okay? And so we're going to kind of walk through this idea of love. Now, Paul He wrote to the Corinthians, in the book of Corinthians, he writes this whole thing. Um, In fact, turn over there with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is where we're going to be. And he writes this whole chapter, this whole list of, of just talking about love, ultimately. But the interesting thing is that he starts with what we can not, or what we can do without love, or what we cannot do, excuse me, without love. And he says this in, in chapter 13. Verse 1, he says this. He says, If I speak with human or angelic languages but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I do not love, I am nothing. Look at there. There is nothing without love. And if I donate all my goods and feed the poor, and I give my body in order to boast, but I do not love, I gain nothing. You see, love is essential. Now, I think it's funny that we're talking about love on Father's Day because sometimes us as dudes, we have a hard time with this whole love thing, don't we? But then we talk about loving God the Father, and it maybe even becomes a step harder for us because it's like, okay, yeah, I struggle with love, but now I'm, I'm, I'm to love this God. But look here, love is essential. It's essential. It's kind of the all-encompassing umbrella, if you will, of the rest of the fruit that we're going to look at. So let me give you some examples. If I don't have a love for Jesus, then it's going to be hard for me to find joy from him. And if I don't have a love for others, it's going to be hard for me then to show them joy. 
Now here's the next one. If I don't have a love for Jesus, it'll be hard for me to find peace in him. And if I don't have love for others, then it's going to be hard for me to show them peace. If I don't have a love for Jesus, it will be hard for me to find patience, goodness, faithfulness. Like you can insert any of them because love ultimately, the beginning of that is essential. A love for him and a love for others. Now that sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Because Jesus says, here's the greatest commandment, to love God and love your neighbor. Right? Love God, love your neighbor. And so then, when we can grow in that, we can grow in then the fruit. Okay? So look here. Imagine for a minute if I loved something, or I didn't love something, and then I attached myself to it. It's going to be really hard for me then to grow in that and become passionate about it. So love then is one of the key elements for growth within our lives. But here's the thing. If you take chapter 13 and you begin to break it down, it's funny how the fruit begins to appear. So watch this in chapter 4 of verse 13. Love is patient. Well, there's a fruit. Patience. Right? Love is kind. Well, there's a fruit. Kindness. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not conceited. There's a fruit. Gentleness. It does not act improperly. It is not selfish. It is not provoked. Well, there's two fruits. Self-control and then also gentleness. But then we keep going. Look here. Love finds no wrong, or finds no, excuse me. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures in all things. There again is another, excuse me, good gracious. There's another fruit, faithfulness. Faithfulness to him and to the other that you are loving. You see, the fruit does not grow without love. Now, if we go back to John chapter 15 for just a minute. It's before Acts. Did you guys know that? All right. (laughs) John chapter 15. He says this in verse 8. He says, My Father is glorified by this. And he gives two things. That you produce much fruit and you prove to be my disciples. So, here's the thing. How do we produce much fruit? By remaining in him. Right? Spending time with him. In relationship with him. And what's the element that's there? Well, look in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain then in my love. So you're remaining in him, but you're also remaining in his love. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. And look then what he says. He says, I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And then he says this in verse 12. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. And no one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. So, here in John chapter 15, we're before Jesus has gone to the cross. 
right? But he's saying that this is the greatest example of love. And then shortly after that, what does Jesus do? Jesus goes to the cross and he himself lays down his life for those and for us and for you and for me and for each and every person. And so that's where then our joy is found. So love, in the context of the fruit, look here, I believe they are in order for a reason, so it all starts with love, and then from there it grows into now the joy that we have in Him. You catch that? And so our love then turns into this joy, and that joy then brings peace. And you can go on down the line. But it all starts with what? It starts with love. Now, Here's the thing. This is where our joy is found, okay? Our joy in the Father, our joy in the Son, our joy in the Holy Spirit, it's all found in how much God truly loves us. Like how much he truly loves us. Look what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, you rejoice in this, though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But look here. You love him, though you have not seen him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Like inexpressible, like I can't explain it, and I can't get words out to tell you about it, but it is this great, this joy that I have in him. And this glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith. What is it? The salvation of your souls. So our love and our joy grows and is bubbling forth. Why? Because we realize how much God truly loves us. How much he truly loves us? Well, how much does he truly love us? Well, he loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for us. For the purpose of what? For the purpose of salvation. Our joy is found there in his love. So again, love is essential to all of this. It is is essential to the growth of the fruit in our lives. Now, this morning we have an awesome opportunity as we come to the table The Lord's Supper, it's known. And so Jesus, right before he does this act of going to the cross, he brings together his disciples, right? And he brings them into a room and he he sits them down at a table and they're having a meal. And he says, look, uh, take this bread. This bread is my body that is going to be broken for you. And they're like, okay. And so he passes it down and they take it. And then he takes the cup and he says, this is my blood that is shed for you. Take it and drink. And so they do. And at that time, they don't understand what that means. But then he says, do this in remembrance of me. Right? To remember what? Well, to remember the fact that he loves you so much that he goes to the cross and dies for you so that you then can have salvation thus making your joy complete. You see that? So here this morning, we have an opportunity as the, as, uh, the band <laughs> comes up to play. We're going to ask you to just remember that. Remember what God has done for you, that he loves you so much that he sent his son 
And today, like, if, if that's a step you haven't taken or that's something you don't fully understand, I'm going to be in the back here at the end. I'd love to talk to you about that. Like, what does that look like? What does salvation in my life mean and look like? But this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time just remembering what he has done for us. So as you come up here, you can, uh, there'll be a, a piece of bread and a little cup of juice, all right? And you're going to take those, and those are going to remind us of, of the, the body that was broken and the blood that was shed. You can take it back to your seat. You can take it right here. That's up to you, okay? But as you feel led, and as they play through this song, you can come up and take of that. But again, remember what God has done for you. How much he truly loved you as a father, right? As a father on Father's Day, how much he loved you. So much so that he sent his son to die on a cross for you, okay? So let me pray for us and we'll continue on. So Father, we thank you so much for your love. Lord, the love that is just pouring out of you and pouring onto us. And Lord, in that, we do find joy. And as we're going to talk about next week, the peace that just surpasses all understanding, Lord, the the joy and the peace that you bring to our lives. And Lord, today, if there's someone here that's uh, in a place of not having peace or they're in a place of, of no joy, Lord, I pray that today that they will just hand that over to you. Lord, that we will place that at your feet. As Christina shared last week at Old Shawnee Days, uh, just the power of the testimony of handing things over to you and allowing you to work in them. Lord, that, may that be our hearts today if we're in a place of not seeing or feeling those things. And Lord, as we step into this time of remembrance, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you were willing to go to the cross for us, to bear each and every one of our sins and our shame, and Lord, to take that upon you and your life, though you didn't deserve it, and to nail that to the cross. And Father, even more importantly, we thank you that three days later, you came out of that grave, and Lord, you stepped forward and allowed us and offered us salvation by defeating death. So Lord, in these next few minutes, may we remember that. May we celebrate it. It may be a sweet, sweet moment with us and you. Father, we thank you. And we give this time to you. In your son's awesome name.